Good morning, church. Good morning, City Lifers. Good morning, family, friends, people who are just stumbling on this online. So grateful that we get to be together again. Though we're not in person yet, week 23 of this, um, I've just been reflecting on the fact that we lack nothing in this season for the things that God has really called us to, for the mission and, and the life that we're called to as a church, as individuals, as people who love the Lord and follow Jesus and his teachings and his example. We lack nothing, that there's nothing in the world that could ever change our purpose, change our mission. And even though we're not together, we can't be together right now, our call to be a church remains the same. Our call to hold one another up remains the same. Though we, it's the summer and we're tired of Zoom, I get that I am too often. But every time I'm with one of you or I go for a walk or I go to a wedding in this season, I'm just reminded of the love and the passion and the community that we're called to. And so let's pursue our Jesus together in this season like we haven't yet. Let's continue to push ourselves to be this community that we uh, have been called to be. So we, I love every single one of you. So grateful that we also get to continue our Deepening Our Soul series here. Where today we're finishing up 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5. And I absolutely love this chapter. It's one of my favorite in all of Scripture. It speaks to me so powerfully. And I heard a pastor out in Indiana talk about this chapter like this. He says that we all need alarms in our life. That an alarm that we just keep on hitting snooze, 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 or we keep on not listening to does us no good, but it actually uh, weakens our resolve. But chapter 5 of First Peter here acts, really this whole book, but especially this chapter, acts as this alarm in our lives to get our attention, to keep us going, to help us push ourselves to go even further, to live more devoted lives to Christ. Hey, I... I remember in 2018, there was the Hawaiian Missile Alarm Crisis, where an alarm went out to all the residents of who lived in Hawaii. Everyone who lived in, in one of the islands there got this alarm that there were ballistic missiles coming in. And for 38 minutes, it was there was panic. There was chaos on those islands. I, I think in 30 minutes, there were over 5,911 calls, and people were huddling in shelters, not knowing what was coming, not knowing if they were safe enough. People calling their families who couldn't find one another, who couldn't be together. And I just imagine the terror that they must have been in, not knowing what was, what was happening, if, they would, if one of these missiles would come. And in the end, thank God also, but in the end it turned out that there was just a technical mistake uh, from the people who run this service out there in Hawaii, that there were no missiles coming. That for those 38 minutes, these people listened to this alarm and they were so afraid of what would happen. And really, First Peter and this chapter serves on an alarm like this. For us to not fall asleep, for us to not go back to what we used to go back to, for us to keep on pushing, to keep on trusting Jesus with our lives, to keep on bringing all of our sufferings towards him, actually even to start suffering for him, for many of us. And so we're asking this question today, really a culmination of what we've studied in this book so far, is where does suffering bring us? That's the big idea for today. What is, what is all of this working towards? What is all of this doing? What is this alarm 
keep on sounding to us. First Peter, please continue to do this job of being this alarm, this signal in our life, calling us towards something. What is it that it's calling us towards? You know, I, I love how this book is at the same time so realistic, it's so grounded, it's so relatable, and yet it also what it calls us to is just so upside down to us. It's relatable in that Peter, this man who has been suffering for decades now, following the example of his friend who he lived with, who he followed and, and put himself under, who he claimed to be the, the Messiah, the creator of everything. And for decades now, he's been following this call, pushing himself to know Christ more, to follow in his example, to teach others and lead them towards the way. And so he, this man understands suffering. He understands that things happen in this world that none of us want, that none of us would say, I wouldn't put this in my plan if, the, if I had a chance to be God. I wouldn't do this this way. But we're here, and it happens. It happens because of sin. It happens because we have an enemy who hates us. We have it because we're just broken and we're going to hurt one another, but it's here. And so First Peter is just so relatable in that, and yet it's so unrelatable in that he keeps calling us, stay in the suffering, submit to authority, even when they're bad. The worst of human experiences, you know, God, find God in it. Don't run away. We're going to talk about that today. Stay there because God is doing something. Don't let go of Jesus even though... Saying yes to him will cost you family and friend and status and job and career or the ability to do some things that you see other people doing. And so our question for today remains, what, where does suffering bring us? Let's read this chapter. Let's dive into this last beautiful chapter of First Peter. And we're going to be dissecting a couple of really important things for us to hold on to and for us to continue as we go into Second Peter next week. So let's read this passage together. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as partakers in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with the humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings, suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, 
exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in, in it. She who is in Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Amen. Let's pray together before we really dive in. Jesus, I, uh, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this passage. I thank you for this whole book. I thank you how you've always moved in this life by taking care of us, by walking us through all the things that we go through, by taking care of us in the way that only a faithful creator could. Lord, we give you this morning. Holy Spirit, we ask for you to be with me right now and us wherever we are in our apartments, in the country, in the world. Lord, we just want to know how to do this with you. We want to walk this life with you. We pray that you would empower us to push ourselves to know you better, to live lives that are empowered by your Spirit. Lord, help us to know, hear the word, this word today and have it be an alert, alarm, an alert in our lives to, to push ourselves for you, to live our lives with you and with one another. I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And, and so I didn't, I didn't ask anyone to read our verse this week out of selfish motivation because I love this chapter and I wanted to be able to read it to us. I apologize. I'm confessing that to you all right now. But I, I love this. We're going to spend really almost all of this morning on two verses, verses 10 and 11. But there are a couple things that, I mean, you guys know me. You know I can't overlook some of these things. Even if it doesn't fit with the message of the day, I have to say it. So I apologize again. I'm already apologizing a lot today. But I, I love how, again, here in verse 8, he says, Be sober-minded and watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. I, I, I love how Peter puts this in here, again, reminding us, just like Paul does, that we're not, we're not fighting against one another, that it's not us versus the world, but that there's this, we have this enemy, this Satan, this spirit, this guy who rebelled against God, who hates us, who wants no good out of us, who only wants to devour us. But Peter so perfectly here says that he, it says that he is like a roaring lion. And I love that. Not that he is like a roaring lion, but that he, that Peter uses this word, he is like a roaring lion. Let us never forget that in all of the struggles of life, in how powerless we feel at times, that we are never going to be overcome by the enemy to to the point where Jesus can't reach us because he is not a lion. He is like a lion. There's only one lion. There's only one lion of Judah. There's only one who is the lion and the lamb. And that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we always have this hope that Peter talks about, this living hope, because there was this man named Jesus, and he came and he lived and he resurrected. And after his resurrection, he will never fall again. Nothing will ever overtake him. And so remind ourselves today that we live this life because we, we, we believe in the lion, the one true lion, who will be at the end, who is, who is the lamb, but always also ferocious like the lion. I, I, I love in the Narnia books about how, sorry for a second, but how, um, I think it was Susan, I, I might be wrong, forgive me, 
Man, I'm apologizing a lot. Uh, she she asked Mr. Be- Mr. and Mrs. Beaver if Aslan is safe because he's a lion. And Mr. Beaver says, uh, uh, of course he isn't safe, but he's good. Remember, we, ha- we serve this man who he's wild. He's not just this cha- tame Jesus, but that in his grace and love and passion, he's also strong and mighty and he does as he pleases because he is God. And so let's remind ourselves that today, that we, go, we also go through this life. We also subject ourselves to suffering because we serve the most powerful person in, the, in all of the universe, the one who created everything. I also love here how his call here is so consistent with, with this whole book. His, his call for us is to, in here, verse 9, resist him, resist the enemy, resist our accuser, Satan. To stay firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by the brotherhood throughout the world. I love that. That so fits what Peter is doing here. You know, it's not always about being loud. In our faith, it's not always about being these justice warriors on the front line, though that is good and there's a place for that often and usually more than we do. But it's not, it's not always about that. Sometimes we just have to stand there. We have to stand firm. We have to say, Satan, you're not going to move us. We're not going to be pushed back. We're not going to be afraid. I'm going to stand here no matter what comes because I'm with my Savior. I'm with the one who is actually the line. And I'm not going to be pushed back. Resisting him also has this, has this piece that we trust Jesus and I'm going to stand here. I'm going to plant my feet on the ground here. And I'm not going to move. I'm not going to run away. I'm also not going to stop going at this because I serve Jesus who can, who is more than enough to lead me through all of this. And that in the suffering that we experience, we're actually also joining in what the believers worldwide are experiencing. And so if there are, there are Christians in countries around this world today that are suffering, that are being jailed, that are being killed. And that causes me to say, you know what, I can go up to Bernice in accounting. I'll tell her about Jesus when God puts, her, puts it in my heart. And even if she makes fun of me, you know what, I was faithful. That when we do this, when we hold ourselves accountable to what Jesus is calling us to do, we, we join in the suffering of our brotherhood worldwide. If people can go through what we see in the Bible today, then I can definitely tell people in my life on the path train or on the bus or on the street that, you know what, there's, there's a good God and his name is Jesus. So I, I love throwing that in. Verses uh, 12 to 14 really give us a lot of the context of that Peter was writing this in Rome. He calls it Babylon, but Babylon is really an archetype of evil cities um, and which is Rome in this day, of a place where the church was not accepted. And that Sylvanus wrote it, that Peter dictated it, Sylvanus wrote it. And then also verses 1 to 5, it talks about submitting to one another. Hey, that if you're an overseer of the church, if you have any charge or if you have any responsibility, do it well, do it out of love. Do not force people into Jesus because that never works. But do it out of love, out of humility. Again here in verse 5, Peter calls us again to be humble and graceful towards one another, which is a message that he includes in every single chapter. It's all over this book. 
But then we get to verse 10 and 11. I love this, guys. Church, I love these two verses. Let me read them to us again. Verse 10 says this, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I'll say those words again. Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I love those two verses. Those two verses throughout the centuries of the church, the millennia of the church, have meant so much to so many people. And so I want to pull at least six points from these. I know I, I know I usually stick to three, but today we're going six because it's just these couple of words tell us so much about this life that we're trying to live with Jesus, where this suffering is taking us. That why is God a good God and he calls us to do these things, to, put, to say no to ourselves and pick up our crosses? How is, how is God making all of that work towards something good? And the first thing that we need to talk about today, point number one, is that suffering should be expected. Now, we, we open, we frame this whole discussion today as about First Peter being about an alarm in our lives, you know, pointing us back. Don't forget about Jesus. Hey, if you're suffering, hey, it's actually not an accident because the world hates Jesus. And if you are of Jesus, they're going to hate us too. And so expect suffering. If anyone ever was a part of leading you towards Christ or helping you really stand firm in your faith and did not tell you that being a follower of Jesus also means suffering in this world, then you, I'm sorry, but you weren't given the full gospel. That us, as believers of Jesus, because we have this message that's also so upside down to our even our nature and our cultures, our societies, what we actually want to do, suffering should be expected. It's after you have suffered a little while. There's no room there for saying, you know what, if suffering comes, okay, then you're good. No, suffering is going to come. And you know, it's not because you have, you are worse than that believer. It's not because, oh, you know, she, she really gets it. She reads her Bible three times a day. You only do it two. But no, let's not buy into any form of gospel that says, you know, if you're suffering, you're not doing this right. If, if you're suffering, it's because you have this giant sin in your life. We, you and I will sin, but God is so much more than that. We live in his covenant of mercy. And so expect suffering because it's going to be there. If you are following Christ, you're going to suffer because Christ's ethic, his life, his example was so counter to everything that we are. First point is suffering, we, it should be expected. We share in the, like he said earlier, we share in the experiences of our brotherhood, of our family, of our sisters and brothers around the world when we suffer and we get to know Christ more when that's the case. So expect suffering to come into your life. This, the second point that we see here is that it's limited. The suffering is limited. It says, after you have suffered a little while, I, I love being reminded that, you know, the hardships that we're going to go, it might be a season, it might be longer. Even Paul had the thorn in his side, but it's limited. After we've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who calls us to, to cause us to him, he will come and he will help us. With all of the suffering that we are just so familiar with in the world, 
you know, in ministry so far, in my 10 years of being in some form of ministry, I can't tell you how many times I've heard stories that started off saying, you know, this is the worst thing that ever happened to me, or this was my biggest mistake, or man, I did this and I can't forgive myself. Story after story after story of us falling of short of what we should be doing, of people hurting us and sinning badly against us, of all the pain and sickness and death that we see that God never wanted for us in the first place. We have this promise here that it's for a limited time. And sure, God usually doesn't work as fast as we would like him to when things are when we're really being pushed through trials. But remind yourselves, when you find yourself in suffering, remind yourself it's for a limited time. That I'm gaining eternity in knowing Christ better right now. And so after we've suffered a little while, God will come and help us. Point number three is that this life, it's grace-filled. The God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory. I love how God promises that over and over and over again. You and I will never make it. We'll never be good enough. No one will ever hurt you or disappoint you as much as you hurt and disappoint yourself. No one will ever sin against you more than you will yourself. And so you don't even have to get very far when you're talking about forgiveness or grace. Lord, I need so much grace. But guess what? We serve the God of all grace. I love how this life, how Peter constantly is reminding us that it is all built on his grace, that Jesus came down, that God himself came down. He wasn't willing to accept any plan or any solution to all of this. That wasn't him coming and losing for himself. And because he did that, he stands before us and he advocates for us and we're offered his grace, this gift that we could never merit that we could never earn for ourselves like we talked about the bond servant a couple weeks ago it's this price that we could never pay this life every breath is god's grace given to us so after we've suffered a little while we can rely on this god because he has all grace grace does not come from you and me it is not a human product it's a divine attribute of our lord and savior and that, and that leads us to that su- this suffering in this world, it has a purpose. After you have suffered a little while, God of all grace, who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I love this reminder. That is, that is God himself who calls us to his eternal glory. First of all, that we get to participate, experience, see God's glory in the best moments of this life, in the suffering, and when time isn't going right, we get to see his glory. Man, that should never be just something that we say, oh yeah, I get that. But know that this suffering, that this life, that having this group of people remember that he's making, he's calling us to be living stones, that he's building up into this spiritual home. This is all for a purpose. Now, life isn't a test. Hey, can you suffer the best? It's not a test. 
because of God's grace, but that it has a purpose, that the suffering isn't just wasted, that we're not going through this life saying no to ourselves for no reason, but that God has a purpose, that he has a plan, and that he calls you, that God would reach out from eternity, from heaven, from his kingdom, and call you by name, say, you know what, I made you, I know everything about you, I know you better than you know yourself, and I'm calling you into this, the suffering that we experience in life. If you're in Christ, it has a purpose. And because all of this has a purpose, point number five, you'll be healed. And I love this. I love this part of this text. That the God of all grace, who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ, will himself, not his angels, not other people, not Bob from down the street, not your pastor, though I'm here to help, God himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You know I can't go through a whole sermon without talking about Greek or Hebrew. I apologize for that. But I love these, I love these four words that God uses to paint this picture. This, I'm not going to say the Greek words because I'm horrible at, at Greek. But this word for restore here, it paints, it's, this, it's the same word. It's this picture of mending and repairing. And the exact picture is, is when you break a bone and you're resetting the bone so that it can heal you. And so that God here is saying, you know, the suffering, I, I know it's going to break some parts of you. That you're gonna, life is going to have some type of way of making you look differently than you expected to look. That life will push you in places, but you know, I will, God promises he'll always be there to set back our bones so that we heal, so that we can get stronger in him. God, God so intimately cares for you. He said, you know what? Anything that goes wrong, I got that covered. I can bring healing out of death. And so you're never past my healing power. The next word is confirm. And this word in its definition is to make stable, to firmly place something, and to render it constant. It's, it's that God says, you know what? I will come. I will come to you after you've suffered a little while. And I'll bring you my grace. And I'll call you into my glory. And then I will come into your life. I'll make all of that suffering make you so strong. Make you like a tree that is planted with firm roots. That no wind, no circumstance, no nothing in your life can shake you. Again, this, the picture that he said earlier of, of resisting Satan, of standing there, of not letting go of our faith, of not letting go of our Jesus, of letting the suffering that we've been through confirm us, make us constant, bring us to be people who, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to follow Jesus. I love that. Strengthen is the next word, and, and that's the most straightforward, to make us strong. But, but the deeper thing is, it's not a physical strength here, that this word is only used in this tense, in this portion of the New Testament. It's the only time we see this word used like this, and it's a strengthening of our soul. God's saying here, you know, when I come, when you've suffered, 
I'm going to take that and I'm going to make something be produced in you that will make you so strong, that will bring the strength from within you, that you'll be this person that other people will look at and say, oh my gosh, like, what has that person been through to be so great? What has to be so level-headed, to be so strong is the best word. I, I love that, that, that promise that God gives us. So you know what, when you, if you lose your job unexpectedly, uh, praise God and, and that be a genuine praise. How many praises do we put out there that we half-heartedly mean? Or when we lose someone, or when we're made fun of or mocked, you say, you know what, that's okay, because I know Jesus. But that would come from a genuine place of strength. You know, I've been through worse. Or you know what, I, I, I know that people, or other believers in the world, go through much worse than that, and so... That's fine. I'm okay with that. God's bigger than that. Uh, how good is that? I long to be like this. The last word here is establish. And this means to be founded or to be grounded. That we, that we know who we are. We know who we serve. That we know where we're going that we know God's promises and have them locked and secured in our hearts. And so that when, when sickness comes, we oh, number one, I know where I'm going if I don't make it past this. But then also that I, I don't let go of the promises that he's given me. Oh, I know God is my healer. I pray for him to heal me. Or I know I lost my job. I know the job I had, God gave me in the first place, and so he'll give me a new one. Is that is this picture of someone who isn't just idly living their lives, who never thinks about their lives, who isn't critical about, oh, what am I doing? Or am I just wasting time? No, someone who is established knows where they're going, that they've been refined and they've been given direction, that they've been giving this passion, this unction, this thing in their soul that propels them always forward. I want to be this type of person. I want God to come and restore me, confirm me, strengthen me, and establish me. And that's really the heart of what we're talking about today, where the suffering go. Where does suffering bring us? You know, and, and this is the whole idea in First Peter, when he's saying all, all the time and in many different ways, don't, hold, don't let go of Jesus don't let go of your Savior. I know you're losing a lot, but it's nothing is wasted. That if you're in Christ, none of this is going to be wasted. And then the, our last point here, point six, is that it'll all end in worship. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you into called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. See, one thing that suffering does, one thing that suffering offers us, is this depth of experience, is the depth of testimonies that come out of a real place that say, you know what, God is faithful. I can trust God in every situation, no matter what comes my way, 
I know my God is good, and I know this isn't being wasted, and I know he's putting me on a path that I need to be on. And so praise God. I'm going to praise him forever and ever. I'm going to ask him for his dominion to come into my life, into this world. And I'm going to ask it for me to look more like him every day of my life. And it causes me to praise. It causes me to want to say, you know, hallelujah, praise you, Lord Jesus. This was all for your glory. I couldn't have gotten through any of this without you. I think about when I was a baby Christian when I was in college. And I was just figuring it out. And I was an inch deep in my faith. So passionate and so happy. But so directionless, so far away from the man I am today. And it's not to boast about anything about who I am right now. But it's always the same. You don't know where Jesus has brought me from. You don't know the things that were in my mind and in my heart. You don't know the spiritual dominion I was under. You don't know how I went to sleep often as a kid growing up and I was afraid. And I've been freed. Praise God. Jesus, I'll never stop praising you. No matter what circumstance I see around me. No matter what is going on in me, no matter what sickness is threatening my life, no matter whatever is coming my way. And the difference between that and just saying that is that through this suffering it becomes genuine. It comes out of this heart that says, you know what, I've been around the block with Jesus, this is nothing for him. And so, and so let's conclude this a little bit. Let's conclude all of 1 Peter as we launch into 2 Peter next week and continuing our Deepening Our Soul series. Let's take a look, let's take a step back and look at all of 1 Peter really quickly to see what are the things that 1 Peter has been calling us towards all along. And so to conclude 1 Peter, conclude chapter 5 here that we've been talking about, let's remember that Peter has written We've been called to into this living hope. The first alarm right there. Remember that you have this living hope that's built on this man who came here, who lived, who died, who resurrected, and who'll never be overcome again. And so we have this hope that's built on him that will never fail us. That that hope tells us to go into this world, live here, Live for the good of everyone. Resist the enemy. Bring God's kingdom. But we are never outside of hope in Jesus. Remember that we are called to be holy. Live holy lives. Be set apart. Be peculiarly odd. Show and live out Christ. And people will see that there's something inside of you. There's something that's been produced in you. That's different. That isn't like everyone else. That holds on a little bit longer. That sees the world a little bit differently. That isn't as critical or cynical or angry or mad. That we have this something in us that people scratch their heads and be like, oh, okay, there's something different here. Let me find out what that is. Remember that we're called to be living stones. These living, breathing, walking monuments. And everything that we do we point people back to Christ, just like a monument does. 
And that it being these living stones, that Christ, the, the cornerstone that was rejected, is building all of us together into this new temple, into this spiritual home. And so we're called to do this with Christ and with one another, always advancing the building of this, of this new temple. He tells us, he cha Peter challenges us, the Holy Spirit challenges us to submit to authority even when it's cruel. That's not the only vein of what we should do socially that scripture talks about, but remember Peter's talking about resisting, about how we live our lives that are empowered by the Holy Spirit, no matter what comes, no matter if we're in a power, a power of not, of we're not in a position of power, how are we still going to live out this gospel thing? We've also been, Peter also urges us to submit to authority. That's not the only message in terms of social justice, of standing up to the man that we have in scripture. But it's what Peter calls us to, it's this reminder for us to submit to people, not just if they're good or if they're bad to us, but for us to live at our faith and to bring change not through anger or violence, but to submit and show people that there's Christ in us and we'll bring change through love, we'll bring change through nonviolence, we'll bring change through other means and not means that are informed and lived out like Christ lived his life. We're also called to suffer for righteousness' sake. It's this call, you know what? I'm not, don't suffer for all of the wrong things. Don't suffer because you keep on doing this one thing or don't suffer because there's this sin in your life that you haven't even tried to overcome, but suffer for righteousness sake. Live towards righteousness and then everything that will, that will come your way will be because you've tied yourself to the gospel. Be stewards of God's grace. You, you have been saved. You have been given a gift that you did not deserve and so steward it. Bring it to other people. Bring it to all the people in your life. When people wrong you, when someone in the church wrongs you, you forgive them, you work it out. You be honest with your emotions. You be honest with what's going on. And you also be gracious towards one another. Steward God's grace because does anyone has anyone ever needed more grace than you? Die to yourself. Be born again into this living hope. And do all of these things, do all of these things that Peter calls us to in this book because this is all working towards, if you're in Christ, it all works towards the God of all grace who calls you into his glory so that he may restore you, bring you to healing, confirm you, put you on solid ground, strengthen, give you a soul of power, and establish you, help you know where to go, help you know what he's called you to, help you to know the person that he's made in you. So we're all gonna suffer in this life. Everyone suffers. There are whole Psalms about how the righteous look at the wicked and say, you know what, why, aren't they, why are they so successful and I'm here out here suffering? But the thing is, are we going to live our lives for Christ and then in the process, everything that we do goes towards this work that God is doing? Our question for the day is, where does suffering bring us?
And for us, if you're in Christ, if you know Jesus, if you've heard the message and you've said, yeah, you know, I believe in this, then suffering brings us to God so that he could do his work in us, so that he can produce us and change us and make us into stronger people, people who can better carry the, gods, the word of his gospel. But also the sad part is that if you're not in Christ, suffering leads you to pain. Suffering leads you into anger and violence and more oppression. And to this Satan who is like a lion, though he's not the real lion. And that's why we, that's why we say, you know what, Jesus, have, do your plan, fulfill your plan in me. If it causes me to suffer, then I'm going to suffer, you know why? Because there are people out here who have never heard of you before. That our call church is to let people know that there is an answer to all of this that's happening. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he makes sense of the entire world. He's the only one who has life. I, I, I love thinking about how Peter was the first person to confess Jesus as the Messiah out of the twelve. And then later on in the gospel, he said, Jesus says, if you want to go, you can go. And he said, where else am I going to go? Who else has the words of eternal life? And decades later, Peter's still saying that. Maybe not directly, but he's saying it in this letter. There's no better place to go. Don't let go of Jesus. Christians in Asian, Asia Minor, don't let go of Jesus no matter what the cost is because you'll lose too much. In Jesus, we have eternal life. We have this faithful creator that he calls him here who's doing something good in us. And so church today isn't about uh, high theological thinking. Even the sermon was very, was, it feels different than what I usually do because it's just supposed to be an alarm, an alert. Let's not fall asleep. Let's not stop the suffering that needs to happen. Let's continue to be allowing God to do this work that he promises to do in us to restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. And so church, let, let's jump on these MC calls today, and let's just, let's wrestle through some of these together. Let's wrestle through the, our prompt questions for the week. As we close First Peter and get ready for Second Peter, and try, it, I've loved going through this book with you all. I'm so excited to start Second Peter next week. So let's join our MC calls. Let's join MCs during the week. Let's continue to be this church that we've been called to. Not for our brand, but so that we live this life that's really committed to Jesus, that makes sense of all of this that's happening and all the suffering in the world. Let's remain committed and steadfast to that. All right, church, I love you, and we'll see you soon. All right, church, here are our prompt questions. Just like the sermon, they're a little bit different. We have more than we usually have. Groups don't feel pressure for everyone to answer every question, um, but make sure that we're being honest and that if God has been doing one of these works in you or has in the past, share your testimony, share your experience. Tell people how good God has been to you. So the first prompt question is, how have you experienced God's restoring work? Remember that this picture of restoring is that God is setting back your bones so that you can heal and get stronger. How has God restored you, brought you back to health, helped you through wounds from the past? Prompt two. How have you experienced God's confirming work? Remember that the idea of confirming is to make you stable, 
like a firmly planted tree. How has God brought you from chaos into being this person who is firmly planted, who knows who you are, and who is committed and devoted? Prompt number three. How have you experienced God's strengthening work? Remember that this, this word here for strengthening is a strengthening of your soul, of your heart, of who you are underneath. How have you seen God do this for you? Prompt number four. How have you experienced God's establishing work? Remember the idea of establishing is that he's, he's giving you passion and direction and you know where to go. How has God taking you out of uh, all these possibilities or chaos and giving you direction of put you on a path. How have you seen God do that for you? Prompt number five, the last prompt for the morning. How does God's promise to personally do this work make you feel? Again, this is a question about emotion. Every week we have one question about emotion. How do you feel when God promises that after you've suffered a little while, he himself will come and do these things for to you and for you. All right, church, we love you all. Let's jump on these calls. Email me, pereese at citylifenj.com. If you're not a part of an MC call, we'll get you connected. We want you to be in these calls. And so we love you all, and um, we'll talk to you very soon. Love you.